We'll start in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Uh, it says, and starting in verse 3, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, yet lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are all way delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken, we also believe, and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us up, up us also by Jesus, and shall present us with you. Okay, so at the beginning there it says, If it, our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. And uh, today I'm going to see, we're going to see what the Bible has to say about blindness when it comes to spiritual blindness, not necessarily physical blindness, but a blindness that comes upon people. And this first one is the people that are lost, the unbelievers. It says that the God of this world, that's, uh, that's Satan, has blinded the minds of them which believe not. So, and when we go door knocking and talking to the people that are lost, in many cases, in 99% of the of the cases, in most of the cases, they will they don't understand the gospel. They think that as as I preached last time, that the the gospel, the preaching of the cross, is foolishness to them that are perishing, but to us it is the power of God. Uh, to them, it's foolishness, and the reason is Satan has blinded their minds so that they they won't believe the gospel. So, and they don't understand the gospel. They think you have to be good enough to get into heaven. And that's the, the, that's the general wisdom of the world, that you must be good enough. Good people go to heaven, bad people go to hell. That's what the world thinks, right? But we know that's not true. It is true. No, it's not true. We're not saved by being a good person. We're saved by grace through faith. We're saved by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ as a free gift. And it's given to us a free gift. Right, so but Satan has tricked the world into thinking that they have to be, you know, you, you can be good enough to get into heaven, even if they believe there is a heaven. Because a lot of people they don't even get that far because they don't even believe God exists at all, right? So they they're blinded to that because all the atheists they think something came out of out of nothing. They think nothing, there was nothing, 
and then all of a sudden there was the universe all of a sudden right and that doesn't really make any sense like how, how does nothing create something right but that's what they believe the atheists and Satan has told that lie throughout history you know you've got evolution and all the all the other lies of the world and they believe that and they believe that so that's why the gospel is hid to them that are lost and and Satan doesn't want them to believe he wants as many people as possible to join him in hell into the lake of fire when the after the end comes right well he'll he'll be going to the lake of fire he doesn't want to be alone so he's blinded the minds of those which believe not lest the glorious light of the gospel should shine onto them and people you knock on the door it's like either they don't they don't want to talk to you or they'll like oh we're good we're good you know and I'll, I'll say are you a, are you 100% sure you're going to heaven and they'll say I'm good I don't want I'll say you don't want to know, don't you want to know how you can be sure and they're like no I'm good I don't want so you come into people and you're saying I have the secrets of the universe right I can tell you the secrets of the universe how you can know 100% that you're going to heaven you don't have you don't have to worry they don't want to hear it. They don't want to know. For some reason, they don't want to know. And that's part of that blindness that Satan has put on their minds. Uh, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians 3, that's just on the, the previous uh, chapter. Oh, wait. I'm going to go to, uh, first of all, I'm going to go to Ephesians 6. Ephesians 6. A few pages over to Ephesians 6. Um... Yeah, right there in um, it says in, in uh, verse 11 it says put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places so and then it, it tells you what the whole armor of God is at the end of the chapter. The uh, breastplate of righteousness, the feet, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So the full armor of God, the whole armor of God, uh, the word of God is like the most important thing. It's the sword, right? So we got to use our sword against the wicked, right? To prove them wrong, if they're and, and then preach the gospel to them as well. Um, but it it says that we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're, we're it's Satan and his demons or whatever. They're controlling the world. And if you look into what most of the like what these secret societies. There's like the Freemasons, and you got the Skull and Bone Society, and you've got uh, the Illuminati. Those guys, if you look, those guys are controlling all of the politicians, right? And those guys worship Lucifer, right? So we're talking at the top of the pyramid, at the way at the top, it goes right up to Satan, right? And this is one of the reasons why some people, they when they, before they before they believe the gospel, they, they get into conspiracy theories because they hear, oh, there's some elite bankers controlling the world, right? And then you look into that. Well, who, who do they report up to? Some secret society. And then who do they report up to? Satan. And then they say, well, if they're reporting up to Satan, if they're worshiping Satan, 
then Satan must exist. And if Satan exists, then so does God. So now they're going to start believing because now they're saying, oh, and then the Bible says that that's what's actually ruling the world and that's what's true, right? So a lot of times people will get into conspiracy theories and then that leads them to the gospel. And a lot, I've seen that happen a lot. Uh, so now I'm going to go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and starting in verse 7. Um, but if the ministration of death written and engraven in stones was glorious so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance which glory was to be done away how shall not the ministration of the spirit be rather glorious for if the ministration of condemnation be glory much more doth the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory for even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by reason of the glory that excelleth for if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. And not as Moses, which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished, but their minds were blinded. For until this day remaineth the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. So this is a, about people, they believe in God, but they believe a false gospel. They think that they have to keep the law for salvation. Because it's mentioning here that they, can't, they cannot look to the end of that which is abolished. Well, the Old Testament law is, what's, is what is abolished, right? We don't keep the law for salvation. We never kept, no one kept the law for salvation. But we're not under the law, we're under grace. So, but their minds are blinded. There's people out there that think you have to be good enough to get into heaven. Well, though they think that you have to keep the law. And again, their minds are blinded because they, they think they can be good enough, right? So, and, and this is um, referring back to... Uh, Exodus 34 that with the veil Moses would put a veil on because his face was shining when he went after he came down from the mountain so if I go to Exodus 34 Exodus 34 starting in verse 29 it says and it came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tables of testimony in Moses hand when he came down from the mount, that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. Wist, that word wist, means he didn't know. He didn't realize. He didn't know. He wist not. Uh, that's in like a 1600s word there. Uh, so he didn't know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come nigh unto them. And Aaron and all and Moses called unto them, and Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, and behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come nigh him. And Moses called unto them, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned unto him, and Moses talked with them. And afterward all the children of Israel came nigh, and he gave them in commandment all that the Lord had spoken with him in Mount Sinai. 
Till Moses had done speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But when Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he took the veil off until he came out. And he came out and spake unto the children of Israel that which he was commanded. And the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone. And Moses put the veil upon his face again until he went in to speak with him. So he would, because his face was shining, because of him, he was looking, he was talking directly to God. Then he put a veil over his face. And then, so in Second Corinthians 3, it's, it's telling us that the veil is like a symbol of, of their minds being blinded, that, that people who believe that they have to keep the law for salvation, their mind is blinded because of that. And I've seen this in real life. Like there's a lot of these, uh, you know, Hebrew roots, the Hebrew roots crowd thinks you have to keep the law, right? So they keep the Sabbath, they keep the feasts. There's churches that keep the feasts. And they are blinded because if you tell them, well, you don't have to keep the feasts. That's, you know, that's optional. Someone, you know, if you want to, you can keep the feast, but it's not for salvation. You don't have to do any of that for salvation, but they don't believe that. They say, no, no, you got to do it. You have to do all that stuff. And then you may have a chance of being saved, but they don't believe you even get saved until the end of your life, right? So they, their minds are blinded. And then, but I've seen some people, like there was a guy on YouTube who used to be in the Hebrew roots and he started reading his Bible and he said, you know, if he, if he like just forget everything you know, you have to basically just forget everything you think you know and just read the Bible for what it says, right? So he did that and he said, he realized that he was believing a false gospel that whole time and now it makes, it makes perfect sense to him as, as if, he said it was like as if, you know, a blinder has been taken off, right? So it's exactly what this is saying, that their minds are blinded until they turn to the Lord. If their heart can turn to the Lord, then the veil is taken away, and then it's like they open their eyes, and now they're finally, you know, they're awake, they're awake finally. And uh, even in, if you've ever seen the, the, the movie The Matrix, right? A lot of these people that are blinded, it's sort of like the movie The Matrix, where they're like plugged into a computer and they think that the whole that the whole world is real but in fact in the movie the, the world's a simulation right it's a computer program that they're living inside but they don't know right so they're blinded they, they think that the world is you know what what you see is the world but then but in reality they're like in a they're like in a tank somewhere you know with something plugged into the back of their head and uh, but they 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 don't know right but then when they figure out, oh, that the matrix is false, then and then they wake up out of the matrix, it's very similar to this. It's sort of like the movie is sort of like, you know, giving you that explanation, like when you wake up out of the matrix, right? It's similar to these people. Like they before they were blind and now they and now it makes perfect sense to them, right? So it's it's similar to that. So if you've ever watched that movie. Um, so let me go to Romans eleven. Romans 11, starting in verse 7. What then? Israel hath not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election hath obtained it, and the rest were blinded. According as it is written, God hath given them the spirit of slumber, eyes that they should not see, and ears that they should not hear, unto this day. 
And David said, Let their table be made a snare and a trap and a stumbling block and a recompense unto them. Let their eyes be darkened that they may not see and bow down their back alway. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? God forbid, but rather through their fall, salvation is come unto the Gentiles for to provoke them to jealousy. So it's saying here, the Jews here, are they're blinded because they hadn't they didn't want to accept the gospel they rejected Jesus so they were blinded right there was a certain amount of them that did believe there were Jews that believed and there are some Jews that do that do get saved but the rest are they were blinded and I've seen that today too a lot of the Jews they will not they won't even entertain the possibility of Jesus being God right they call it idolatry if you believe that and uh, their law, their Israel's law, or whatever the Talmud says, that anyone who says that Jesus is Lord should be put to death. So, that, so they're they're blinded. Um, it's because you know, if you remember the Pharisees, they were they they thought they knew it all, and they think they know what people that think they know it all, their pride is blinding them to it. And uh, let's see, Psalm 69 is where that's quoting it from. Um, Psalm 69. Verse 22. Yeah, the the verse that says, David saith, let their table be made a snare. So verse 22 of Psalm 69 says, Let their table become a snare before them, and that which should have been for their welfare, let it become a trap. Let their eyes be darkened that they see not, and make their loins continually to shake. So that's talking about the Jews that are blinded, so according to Romans 11. So it's sh- that should that should have been to further welfare has become a trap because they rejected the only way to heaven. They've rejected Jesus Christ, and that is the that was the, it was put there for their benefit. They, you know, God wanted them to believe, but they rejected it. So now it's a trap because they're they're totally blinded to it. So that is that's what happened. So let's go to John chapter twelve. So we've got unbelievers that are blinded. We've got Jews that are blinded, and we've got people who believe with works salvation that are blinded. Seems like a lot of people are blinded. Uh, so John 12, starting in verse 37, it says, But though he had done so many miracles before them, yet they believed not on him, that the saying of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spake, Lord, who hath believed our report, and to whom hath the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because that Isaiah said again, he hath blinded their eyes and hardened their heart that they should not see with their eyes nor understand with their heart and be converted and I should heal them. So again, this he Jesus was um, doing miracles and all these things, but they haven't, they did not, they could not believe because he, it's, their eyes have been blinded, right, and their heart has been hardened. Uh, it's be- and God has hardened their heart, but they hardened their heart first. So because they didn't want to believe, then they, now they've been blinded, right? So 
Jesus said that they're blind, so they, they can't be, they can't believe at this point. But they have to humble themselves, right, uh, in order to be able to believe. Uh, but in a lot of the cases, it's, this hasn't, it isn't happening. Okay, so that was Isaiah 29, verse 10, that that was quoting Isaiah 29, 10. For the Lord hath poured out upon you the spirit of deep sleep, and hath closed your eyes, the prophets and your rulers, the seers hath he covered. So it's the people that don't want to believe. It's the people that think that they know better than the word of God. They, they, know, they think they know it. They don't want to read the word of God with an open mind. They just want to believe what they want to believe. And there's a lot of people out there today that uh, you know they'll just you'll try and tell them something clear from the, the Bible, but they'll they'll just they say no 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 that's not, I don't believe that it's like you know I believe something else and then the, whatever else they're telling you it's like what it's what they think is right in their own mind right but they it, but they don't care what the Bible says they just they want to know what they just want to believe what they think is right and a lot of times what they think is right is is not right at all so they're blinded. All right, so Matthew 23. We'll see who's this. That's uh, where Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. Matthew 23. It'll be good when they get the air conditioning in here. <laughs> Matthew 23, uh, starting in verse 16. Woe unto you, ye blind guides, which say, Whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. Ye fools and blind, for whether is greater the gold or the temple that sanctifieth the gold. And whosoever shall swear by the altar, it is nothing. But whosoever sweareth by the gift that is upon it, he is guilty. Ye fools and blind, for whether, whether is greater the gift or the altar that sanctifieth the gift. Whoso therefore shall swear by the altar, sweareth by it and by all things thereon. And whoso shall swear by the temple, sweareth by it and by him that dwelleth therein. And he that shall swear by heaven, sweareth by the throne of God and by him that sitteth thereon. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. Ye blind guides which strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye make clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first the that which is within the cup and platter that the outside of them may be clean also so and in verse 28 it says even so ye all also outwardly appear righteous unto men but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity so the Pharisees he says several times here that they're blinded right again they're blind because they think they know it all they, they don't want to listen to Jesus they think it's you know, you got to keep the law for salvation. So they're called blind. And um, 
They're blind leaders of the blind. In fact, they, he calls them blind leaders too, and because they're telling people, well, you got to keep the law for salvation. So they're preaching a false gospel to people, and um, so they're blind leaders too. So, and uh, and in one other verse, it says that they're shutting up the kingdom of heaven because they don't want anyone else to go in, and they're not going in either. So they don't want people to get saved. They they just want. You know they want to just do what and try and keep the law, but they can't. You can't do that. You're not good. You can't be good enough to keep the law for salvation. But so they're blinded because they they won't listen. They refused. So we got Matthew 13, starting in verse 10. Matthew 13 says, and the disciples came and said unto him. Why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away even that he hath. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not, and hearing they hear not, neither do they understand. And in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah, which saith, By hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and not perceived. For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. So in verse 15, it's telling you why they're blinded. And when it says for this people's heart, the word for means because. It's, a, it's an old way of saying because. So a lot of times you'll see the word for, it's saying, it means because in today's language. So for this people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing. So they don't want to hear, and their eyes have cl- are closed. They've shut their own eyes. They don't want to see the truth. And their heart is wax gross. So this is the reason they're blinded. It's you know it's it's brought on by themselves because they don't want to see, they don't want to hear, and they don't want to understand that it's just a free gift of grace by through grace by faith, just to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. So they're blinded because of that because they don't want to hear it. So the Pharisees were like that, and then so that's why. And then the Jews they were part of the Jews too. So. The Jews are also blinded for the same reason. Uh, so now I'm going to go to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John, near the end of the Bible. 1 John chapter 2, verse 11. Verse, well, I'll start in verse 9. 1 John 2, verse 9. He that saith he is in the light and hateth his brother is in darkness even until now. He that loveth his brother abideth in the light, and there is none occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hateth his brother is in darkness, and walketh in darkness, and knoweth not whither he goeth, because that darkness hath blinded his eyes. So here's the... uh, First John is written to saved people. It's not written to the unbeliever, right? So, because he calls you my little children at the beginning of chapter 2. My little children, you're children of God, right? So, you're already saved. This is, first, John is about 
you know, not about trying to get saved, but about what you should be doing after you're saved. It's a book like uh, about uh, discipleship and how to have fellowship with God once you're saved. So it's saying if you hate your brother, you're in darkness, and, and that darkness is, can blind your eyes, right? So we don't want to hate the brethren, right? We want to, tr- and then there's, so there's some churches out there that they hate the brethren. They, they, if you disagree with them, a lot of people will hate you, and they'll call you reprobates. They'll call you, you know, unsaved and all this, and they're blinded because, and that's true too. They're blinded too. They can't see the truth. Like you try and preach, if you try to, you know, you disagree with a, a doctrine with them. Like say the the Trinity, where they say it, say it's three separate persons, yeah. and we say it's like one person, in, but manifest in three ways. Oh no! If you give them a clear verse, like where it says in Isaiah, in Isaiah in the four in, around Isaiah 40 or so, where it says, "Be you know, I am the Lord, and beside me there is no savior," and then you know Deuteronomy, you know, six, where it says, "Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one one Lord." They want to believe there's three lords up in heaven, but we know there's only one Lord according to that. But even clear scripture like that, uh, they don't understand it. They, they, you take them to first, you take them to John chapter one, and say, you know, Jesus was the Word made flesh, right? The Word of God was God, and they say, no, no, he was, he's a separate person somehow, somehow. But they're not seeing the clear verse. Like they're not, they they just totally disregard it. So it's because of their blind, their hatred has blinded them to the truth. So they're hating their brethren. So they're in the not in the light. So that's one re- that's one kind of blindness that can happen to save people. Uh, and then also uh, in Revelation chapter three, uh, Jesus was talking to the church of the Laodiceans. He said in 3.15, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. So here's a church where they're lukewarm. They're lukewarm, they're not cold, they're not hot, they're work because of their works, right? So maybe they're not, you know, they're not going out soul winning too much, you know, but they're still going to church, but then maybe they're not preaching 100% correct either. And then they're saying, well, we don't go soul winning because we're rich, you know, we don't we don't need anything and all this. And we're, our church is big enough, we don't need to, you know, try and get people to come. Um, but they think they don't need anything, so that's blinded them. They're blind because they should be. And in verse 18, they should be doing the works. It says, I counsel thee to buy me of gold, buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. So he's telling these guys in, in, in Laodicea, you know, put eye salve on so you can see clearly, right? Because you're not seeing clearly. You think that you don't need anything, but you don't realize you're blind, right? So something they were doing, he didn't like, right? Something to do with his works, their works. Probably they weren't preaching the gospel 
to every creature like they were supposed to. They weren't going out soul winning as much, possibly. So they were blinded, and there's a lot of churches that won't go soul winning, too. And then you ask them, you're going to go soul winning? You guys have a soul winning ministry? It's like, you know, we don't do that. We don't, you know, we don't do that. We just send out, we may send out tracks in the mail or something, you know. We don't go door to door. We don't need to do that. A lot of them will say, you know. Those are the Laodicean churches, which there's a, quite a few of in this day and age. So let me go to Isaiah 56. Isaiah 56. Starting in verse 8. The Lord God which gathereth the outcasts of Israel saith, Yet will I gather others to him beside those that are gathered unto him. All ye beasts of the field come to devour, yea, all ye beasts in the forest. His watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs that cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yea, they are greedy dogs which can never have enough. And they are shepherds that cannot understand. They all look to their own way, every one for his gain from his quarter. So shepherds here, they're talking about pastors here in the Old Testament. Talking about church leaders here that are greedy, can't have enough. That sounds like prosperity preachers today. You got your Joel Osteens and your other Creflo Dollars, and they're asking for money. They, they, want, they just want to be rich. And they cannot understand. It says they are shepherds that cannot understand. Because they're looking to their own way instead of what it says in the Bible. So it says, those watchmen are blind. They cannot bark, sleeping. They're compared to dumb dogs. They just love to sleep. They just want to, you know, everything's the same as, you know, they don't want to preach the gospel. Joe Olstein will say, you know, I think everyone's probably saved. There's no need to preach the gospel to anyone. Stuff like that. Or the Catholic Church will say everyone's saved. Just, have, you know. You know, even atheists can be saved, stuff like that. So, but they cannot understand because they're looking to themselves, and they're greedy. And you know, the Catholic Church is the most, the richest organization on the planet. They have probably trillions of dollars, you know, in their churches, and they've got the they've got the Vatican Library, which nobody's allowed to go into, except for the the elite of the Vatican, the elite people that are allowed in. And they've, they've got so much money. And how much of this money they could give away to the poor? How, and they don't give any of it to it. They hoard it for themselves. They're greedy, it says in here. That's, that's the kind of thing it's talking about here. So they're blinded because of that. Acts 28. Let's go to Acts 28. And, I mean, I'm going to have a sermon on the Catholic Church eventually because... There are some things I learned this week that uh, are interesting about the Catholic Church. I'm going to have to... Uh, that, that's a separate sermon, though. So. so Acts 28, uh, starting in verse 25. So this is near the end of the book of Acts. And uh, this is like... This is when Paul is saying goodbye to them and stuff. Um... So in verse 24, 
Let's go to verse 23. And when they had appointed him a day, there came many to him into his lodging, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets, from morning until evening. And some believed the things which were spoken, and some believed not. And when they agreed not among themselves, they departed. After that, Paul had spoken one word, well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet unto our fathers, saying, Go unto this people, and say, Hearing ye shall hear, and shall not understand, and seeing ye shall see, and not perceive. For the heart of this people is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their hearts, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Be it known therefore unto you, that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles, and that they will hear it. So he was talking to the Jews there. And he's telling them, you know, it says in Isaiah that you're going to be blinded. You won't be able to see because you, you, you don't want to, right? And that goes back to Isaiah 6. So that was quoting Isaiah 6 in verse 9 and 10 in Isaiah 6. So it says here... Sometimes when you go back to the Old Testament, you get a little it's different. Words are a little bit different. So sometimes you get more understanding if you go look up those references. So let's go to Isaiah 6, verse 9. It says, And he said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not, and see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their ears heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert and be healed. So that basically says the same thing in this case. But uh, so again, because they don't want to hear it, so that he's blinded them. The God has blinded them. And uh, okay, so let's go to Luke chapter 4. Uh, Luke 4, uh, starting in verse 17. Jesus is coming into Nazareth. And well, 16. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. So anyone could just come into a synagogue back then and just read the Bible if they wanted. They could, they could preach or whatever. And uh, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And so it says, so, and he closed the book, and he gave it again to the minister, and sat down. And the eyes of all them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. So he's telling them, okay, Isaiah 61. That's from Isaiah 61 right at the beginning of the chapter there. Isaiah 61. Um, let me just go back, switch back there. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to. If it's hard to keep up, it's fine. Uh, Isaiah 61. That's where this comes from. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. 
He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn. So, there's a little bit more here, but it doesn't mention the blindness that it mentions over in um, uh, in Luke 4.18. He says, recovering of sight to the blind as well. So he wasn't literally, quote, he added a little bit there, but that there is coming from Isaiah 42. So he sort of combined those two, I think. So it wasn't just a, just a straight reading of the Bible there. He was combining two verses from 61 and from 42, verse 6. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles, to open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. I am the Lord and that is my name and my glory will I not give to another neither my praise to graven images. So verse 7 there, to open the blind eyes, right? And now that's where that comes from, the recovering of sight to the blind. So the, so the, the gospel can recover the sight to the blind. The people that are blinded, that you have to just keep preaching the gospel to them, and if they can believe it, then their blindness will be, their sight will be recovered. And of course, literally did, if people were blind, there were some people that were actually blind, physically blind, and he healed them as well. So it's also talking about that, but it's a secondary meaning. They were, the unsaved are blinded, they're mentally blinded, they're spiritually blinded. But the gospel can open those eyes. Let me just look at Psalm 146. Psalm 146. But you have to be humble. You can't just, you know, you have to read, forget what you think you know and just read what the Bible says and then your blindness can be recovered. Psalm 146, verse 8 says, The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. The Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. The Lord loveth the righteous. So he opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord does it. It's a lot of times these people that are blind, they need some help. They can't do it themselves. They, a lot of times there has to be something going on with them at the time. Like, And I'm going to cover this right now in John chapter 6. Because these people that are blinded possibly, and they, it says they cannot believe in other passages, right? So what can open their eyes? The Lord can. And uh, let's see here. In John chapter 6. Uh, verse 44 says no man can come to me except the father which hath sent me draw him and I will raise him up at the last day it is written in the prophets and they shall all be they shall be all taught of God every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the father cometh unto me so you have to be drawn like the Lord has to be drawing you at the time otherwise you're not going to be able to believe right now, I don't believe in Calvinism, which says that only certain people are saved, because the Calvinists will say, use the same verse and say, no, no, you can't just go and decide you're going to believe the gospel. God has to be drawing you, right? And that doesn't happen all the time. It doesn't happen all the time. They're right about that. It doesn't happen all the time. You have to be in the right, that's, there has to be something going on. Like the Holy Spirit has to be drawing them, but 
in verse 45, you know, it just destroys that Calvinism. It's not just everyone. It's not just certain people. It says, every man, therefore, that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. So no man can come to him unless they draw him. But everyone that hears the gospel is what it's saying is going to be drawn. Right. And then again, if we go to John 12, it'll give you some more information there. In this verse, the Calvinists will not quote because it it um, disproves their argument. But John 12 and 31, starting in 31, now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying what death he should die. So he's saying, if I be lifted up, that's him on the cross. Once he's on the cross, he will draw all men unto him, not just the certain select group of people that the Calvinists say, but everyone, right? God wants all to come to repentance. God wants all men to be saved, not just a certain number of people. So... But you have to be drawn in order to be able to recover from this blindness uh, and this process here. It's saying that he's casting out the prince of this world. That prince of this world, which is blinding those people, is being cast out when people are drawn to the Lord. And when they believe the gospel, then the blindness is taken away. So once, you know, once that happens, then it's like waking up out of the matrix. It does feel like that. And suddenly... If they can believe the gospel, they suddenly understand, and they, they can never understand. Well, it's so, it seems so simple now, and how come I never believed it before? Because they were blinded. That's why. And in Second Timothy, chapter two, Second so, uh, Timothy two twenty four says, "And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient." in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will so there we go God can give the the people the ability to, to believe the gospel and like when you're being drawn you know to the Lord at that time you, God, God's given you that ability to repent, to repent and believe the gospel. Uh, as long as we're, you know, it's saying the servant of the Lord has to be gentle, apt to teach, patient, be patient with the lost, and meek, meekly, you know, just preach them the gospel. You know, don't go out and condemn them and say, you know, you have to turn from all your sins to be saved. That's never going to work. You just need to go and tell them, you know, look. Salvation is a free gift by grace through faith. And all you have to do to receive that gift is to believe that Jesus died on the cross for you and just trust in that and not and not in your own self. So, And then God can give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. So God has to do something there to get rid of that blindness because he recovers the blind. It's not our... We can't do it ourselves, I, think, I don't think. Um, but unlike Calvinism... Everyone gets that chance. Everyone gets to hear the gospel. Um, you know, if they're seeking God, they will hear the gospel. Okay, so Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 says, 
Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. So there, if you're seeking the truth, if you're seeking God, if you're being humble, if you want to know the truth, then it will be answered. They will be saved, and they will. God will remove that blindness from their eyes. And now, to finish off here, I've got a story here in Acts chapter 9 about Paul the Apostle, what happened when he was converted because Paul the Apostle was a, a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was one of those Pharisees that could not believe, right? Because Jesus was rebuking them saying, you know, you can't believe because you, they just didn't want to believe, right? But so Paul was one of them, right? He was one of the top guys in the Pharisees and he was killing the Christians. He was persecuting them and he was sent. He wanted to go out and find them and kill them wherever he found these Christians, bring them you know, imprison them and kill them, right? So Acts chapter 9 here says, And Saul, that's Paul, that's what he was called before he was Paul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went in unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, who thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, he trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And Lord, the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was, he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. And there... So he was literally a, bl a blind Pharisee at that point, literally blind for three days, right? And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in, and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. So Paul was having a vision of some guy coming in and restoring his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem, and here he hath authority from the chief priests to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately... 
there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. So Saul there got saved. Ananias went there and I believe preached the gospel to him. And uh, so Saul was able to, so that blindness was removed. And there fell from his eyes as it had been scales. And that's when you get saved, before you didn't understand the gospel, you were blinded by, by Satan. And after you get saved, it's exactly that. The scales are removed from your eyes and suddenly you can understand everything, right? And that's what happened to the Apostle Paul. And he's like a perfect example. He was like one of the worst he was a murderer of Christians, persecuting them. He did all these bad things, and yet he, he can still be saved, right? The worst of the worst can be saved. All they have to do is believe the gospel. And Saul obviously was chosen for a certain reason because he, God can see the future, right? He knows what people are going to do in the future. So he knew that if Saul got saved, he would go and do all these things and create and make all of these, and you know, spread the gospel and make all of these churches in Asia, which is what he did. And he wrote like a good portion of the New Testament. So, because he received, because God gave his sight back, his blindness was lifted, and he was no longer blinded to the truth. And then, so then, once we're we're not blinded to the truth, then we can go out and preach the gospel to other people, and try to re get their blindness removed, and and so on and so forth. Right, so that's basically how blindness is removed, and it's put there by Satan, put there by man's own pride, and God can remove that, or God can even put it there, but He can remove that if you want to, if you go ahead and you're drawn and you believe the gospel, and that's all there is to it. And then the glorious light of the gospel can shine on you, and people get saved.